Good day. Good day to everyone. I see that there are still people arriving. <clears throat> watching the, the names kind of flood in reminded me of watching uh, the news yesterday about uh, the people flooding back to Hawaii. Um, apparently, people think it's okay to come now. <laughs> so we're having a lot of people uh, return in a, a way that they were before the the pandemic. Let's um, let's go ahead and enjoy our quiet, attentive, upright, wakeful sitting together for a few minutes. Here's a small bit of Dharma instruction or encouragement 
from Pablo Neruda. Just a couple of lines from one piece of poetry. If we were not so single-minded about keeping our lives moving and for once could do nothing, perhaps a huge silence might interrupt this sadness of never understanding ourselves. we were not so single-minded about keeping our lives moving and for once could do nothing. Perhaps a huge silence might interrupt this sadness of never understanding ourselves. only through sustained practice over time with others that helps us begin to more fully appreciate what seems like doing nothing, this just sitting. It's not waiting. It's not an attempt to manipulate our consciousness. In fact, true meditation or sitting in this way is when we abandon all attempts to manipulate our consciousness in any way whatsoever and rest in something more fundamental, more something simpler, something true. And it's only through experience that we begin to appreciate what it means to simply sit together. And so as you, you hear the bell, it's also nice to more fully appreciate the words that we say together, which echo this, this truth. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, 
wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all beings. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all beings. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. recite these verses and we <clears throat> we do so uh, three times uh, part of it is, is a, a way to to help us remember that sustained and ongoing practice is necessary we don't sit once and say, okay, I've meditated, that's, that's good. We continue our practice. And three is a good number. Uh, it also helps us begin to um, receive it in our body. It's another reason for using our voice. And it, even a simple um, verse like we've just intoned together opens over time and reveals things that maybe we hadn't seen before. Uh, just as this past year ha has done. You know, last week, um, uh, being back in my, my home area with, with family, I reflected on uh, leaving home and returning home as uh, uh, essential pieces of of practice, and I want to continue that in a different way today, just as a reflection to invite your own inquiry into your own practice deeply. Um, and that is um, something that we're seeing and hearing and maybe even feeling all around us, which is usually some version of we're getting back to normal, or the hope that we are going to get back to normal. And I don't know about many of you, but to me, it's sort of, there's a, of course there's a desire to not be um, facing a, a destructive and terrible pandemic and all the things that we're limited by in, in doing so, but something not quite right in there. And I wanted to speak about it. I, I'm not, I don't want to provide a, simply a social commentary on our situation with the pandemic, uh, I'll use that as a jumping off place to talk about deep practice, about awakening, and about what sustained and regular practice does for us. You know, when we say back to normal, when I hear back, I think of, you know, like returning to something that's been temporarily uh, set aside or halted or disturbed. And, and there's, there's something uh, true about that. And normal 
usually think of that, you know, something that's expected or cherished, kind of the way it's been, the way it always is. And if, if the pandemic had lasted a month or two, that might be actually more true. But, but it hasn't. This has lasted and then continues um, a very long time. Imagine stepping out into the world, and I just had an image. My pause there was having an image of walking out of the Zendo at, at Appamata in Austin. But so many of you have different experiences in different places. But, but still, when you step back out into the world after morning sitting and morning service, for example, can you imagine saying, well, now I need to get back to normal? Like that was something else on the side, and now I'm going to get back to normal. Or I can remember completing uh, a session, you know, a traditional seven-day uh, intensive retreat at San Francisco Zen Center, and I did a number of them in different places, but at City Center in San Francisco, there at Page and Laguna Street, right in the city, and kind of a rough part of the city, really. And when we do kinhin or walking meditation around the zindo, day after day, as we alternated sitting and walking, on the final day, the person leading the walking meditation would have us walk out of the zindo, out of the zindo doorway onto the street, and we'd walk all the way around this huge block uh, and then back into the zindo. And of course, we're practicing in a traditional temple setting, so most people were in robes that look a little bit like the Night of the Living Dead, you know, walking around the block. But it's San Francisco, so uh, people weren't too shocked. But my, my point is, can you imagine saying, well, let's, let's get back to normal? after spending seven deep, full, challenging days in retreat. Let's put that aside and get back to normal. Or I remember returning through um, the winding roads, leaving Tassajara after being there for a good long while. And slowly uh, meeting more of what would be a normal civilization. Or flying back from Japan after a month-long practice period there. Do we say, well, now I'm going to get back to normal. Now I'd like to put aside everything that I experienced and everything that I learned, everything that I dedicated myself to, and go right back to where I started. Imagine saying this after escaping some terrible accident or, or many of you have had life-threatening illnesses or know people in your family who have had such a threat. You know, once you've, once you've seen things and not just seen but experienced with your body some new and I guess more honest or much larger, more inclusive perspective, you, you don't go back to normal. And this is some of what we've, we've experienced in this last year. If we allow it to wake us up 
rather than seeing it as a temporary diversion. Because awakening shifts our perspective radically. So it's not about returning to the way I like things, my own personal preferences, but moving forward in life, certainly returning in that way, uh, with a more in, uh, sort of intimacy with what's being called for and what we're being called to. And like in the Neruda poem, if we could stop for a bit and enter the silence, we might know what we're, we're hear a voice we couldn't hear before or feel a call that we couldn't feel before. And through awakening and stepping back into life, maybe if we've been temporarily stepped aside from life in a retreat, awakening isn't about feeling happy. It's like, oh, I'll get enlightened or wake up and then I'll feel happy. No, it's about feeling everything. It's a capacity to let life flow through us. rather than picking and choosing a narrow and therefore protected way of feeling so that you become more, a more clear and caring function in the world, not a thing against other things, a larger channel for life energy to flow more fully. So getting back to normal would seem like an odd thing to say from a practice perspective, and that is that's our uh, our focus here. I want to uh, to read just a, a couple of things, little pieces from um, an essay that I found that I that I really enjoyed, partly because it was well written and it really it resonated with me quite a bit. This is not um, an essay that is like the truth or the only way to look at how we're responding right now to these uh, shifts in ourselves and in our culture. It's not the right way. It's, it's just something as a prompt for our deeper inquiry. And I, th I think you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. It is from just a couple of days ago in the Atlantic by um, an author, Tim Kreider, K-R-E-I-D-E-R. And the title of this essay was I'm not scared to re-enter society. I'm just not sure I want to. So it's a little, you know, some of you may have seen it. Um, uh, uh, just listen to the tone of it. I'm going to read just a half of a paragraph so you get a feel. He, he says, for the last year, a friend recently wrote to me, a lot of us have been enjoying unaccustomed courtesy and understanding from the world. When people ask how you're doing, no one expected you to say, fine. Instead, they ask, how are you holding up? And you'd say, well, you know, you know. And that, you know, encompassed a lot that was left unspoken. Like deteriorating mental health physical atrophy, creeping alcoholism, unraveling marriages, touch starvation, 
suicidal ideation, collapse of democracy, anxiety, epic boredom and loneliness, solitary rages and despair. You know, you have your list, right? The author goes on, he says, you could admit that you'd accomplish nothing today or this week or all year. <laughs> Having gotten through another day was a perfectly respectable achievement. Everyone recognized that the situation was simply too much to be born without occasionally going to pieces. But this has, in fact, always been the case. We were just finally allowed to admit it. This is always the case. We were just finally allowed to admit it. Which is what it's like to step into a retreat. And this is what deep, sustained practice always offers us. A path to waking up to what is true and real beyond and outside of the ordinary and I think often false promises of the good life to which we might hope to return, which is essentially the self-centered dream. A deep and powerful retreat, a moment in inquiry here, will uproot our expectations and even our subtle or not so subtle entitlements. It shouldn't be this way. This is not what I was promised. Especially in this country, I'm not sure about others, but certainly true in the United States. And mostly we were too caught up in normal and the everyday returning to normal, which means we're practicing what is habitual and automatic. That's what we're practicing. We're practicing returning to what's familiar and normal and automatic and habitual. That is our practice. Rather than facing what is and responding to what is with a freshness and a willingness and creativity without knowing just like an inquiry when suddenly you're called on or something comes forward. Can it be fresh? Can you be willing? Is there some creativity? We don't know what's in the moment because we're actually breaking the habitual rather than practicing it. We so often choose the samsara we know over the nirvana we do not trust. Maybe that's the line to remember from today. How often we choose the samsara we know over the nirvana we do not trust. Here's a little more from the, the essay. He's talking about how we've related to each other differently and there's been kind of a pause. He said, that grace period is almost at an end and the dreaded specter of normality looms. <laughs> Sometime in the past year, the author says, I just stopped caring. And now I can't quite remember how to, you trick yourself into starting again. You lure yourself into some major undertaking, a vocation, a marriage, a life, you know, going to school with certain hubristic delusions. I'll be rich and famous. I'll be happy forever. This all means something. But once you've been disabused of those, you need to find something truer, more enduring, 
other kind of motives to go on, if you can. And a lot of us don't want to return, he says, to, to wasting our days in purgatorial com commutes, to the fluorescent lights and dress codes and middle school politics of the office. It was kind of clever writing, but service personnel are apparently ungrateful for the opportunity to, to get paid not enough to live on by employers who have demonstrated they don't care whether their workers live or die. More and more people have noticed that some of the basic, uh, these American axioms, that hard work is a virtue, productivity is an end of itself, or horseshit. So, a little... But this is where practice begins, when everything is beginning to fall away. Stepping aside from just the, the kind of clever writing about the pandemic, this is where practice really begins because the promises of ordinary life have started to look flimsy. And we've had enough time, like Neruda said, if we could stop, we've had a forced time. <clears throat> and once you begin to hear in the teachings or maybe see in the lives of your teachers or the Sangha or in particular spiritual friends, something that rings more true, that somehow gotten in a little deeper. Even if you can't put your finger on it at first, you can't tell what it is that you're responding to, but something shifted. And this is the opportunity for you to then intentionally shift from the everyday acquisitive life goals to something deep and pervasive like a vow. We shift from goals to a vow. And you've heard me say many times the um, important quote from Dogen. He says, ordinary people are pulled by karma. Bodhisattvas are led by vow. So saying, let's get back to normal would be let's, let's jump back into the karmic fray and get tossed about with the same old anxieties rather than find in this space that's opened up a vow that's deeper because we can see that everything can be lost in a moment. Everything can change. And the idea that it's permanent or that we can put our faith and our ordinary ideas about life isn't worth our faith. So we choose freedom over getting back to normal. And it's the opportunity to remember what's at the heart of it all, which is love. Just a two, a couple more sentences here from the, the essay. The author says, quarantine has given us all time and solitude to think, a risk for any individual and a threat to any status quo. People have gotten to have the experience, some of them for the first time in their life, of being left alone. Time to think and solitude is a risk. And that's the risk that practice offers you and that you're faced with. 
So in some ways, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And basically, the message I'm seeing, at least in the media, is let's squander it. Let's get back to normal. And I understand that, that they're not talking about necessarily the things we're talking about here, but it's in there. When you see on the Han or you hear the sound and you remember the poem, great is the matter of birth and death. All is impermanent, quickly passing. Awake, awake, don't waste this precious life. That's a sound we've been hearing every single day. When we see the numbers and we see the images and we feel our own, the own impact of all of this, great is the matter of birth and death. All is impermanent, quickly passing. Not just in the pandemic. Always. Awake. Awake. Wake up. Don't waste this precious life. Kreider says, relieved of the deforming crush of the world's battering demands and expectations, people's personalities have started to assume their true shape. This is something you could say about retreat. When we step aside, we begin to discover who we really are. When, we're, when we leave ourselves alone, when I said true meditation is when we stop manipulating our consciousness in any way whatsoever, when we begin to leave ourselves alone, we start to discover something new. And this is what refuge is about. Coming back home, not to normal, but back home to the truth. And, and finally, Kreider says, maybe this period of seeming dormancy or of hibernation has actually been a phase of metamorphosis. Though, before caterpillars become butterflies, they first digest themselves, dissolving into an undifferentiated mush called the pupil soup. Sounds horrible. Uh, people are at different stages of this transformation, some still unformed, some already opulently emergent. Some of us may wither on exposure to the air because escape from the chrysalis is always a struggle. But this is really what, as a teacher, I'm seeing. What, where is the person? And this is why we need teachers to help us along the path and why we need each other, why we need a path, something that's more reliable than what seems normal, and why we need Sangha, a container strong and flexible enough to hold this much transformation and to know that we're not alone. So are you going to choose the, sarma, the samsara that you know over their nirvana that you don't trust? Are you just going to go back to normal? Even as life returns to a flow that's more conventional, that's true. But this is a chance for things to be really, really different. And that's what every retreat and every inquiry and every teaching points to. And so as we turn to meeting now, 
the real question is not what sort of problem you have or what needs to be solved, but what's the edge around which you would make a different choice? What's your practice edge where you choose freedom by facing impermanence and facing the unknown rather than just getting back to normal so you can feel the, oh, okay, now I know who I am. My everyday conventional misery, which I'm so familiar with, is my friend. Do you have the courage to step forward? And this is what, what practice allows us. And we've, we've been given this, this uh, terrible, terrible gift of the pandemic which has cost so many people so much. Are you going to squander it? <clears throat> and so please just, um, I don't have anybody particular to call on at the moment. Please raise your hand if there's something you'd like to explore further or take yourself further in whatever edge you find yourself. And even if we sit a bit in silence know that that's practice we're not waiting maybe this space that we sit together in is is the edge maybe that is what is required but do so with attention notice how your mind goes to how do we deal with the anxiety of maybe no one stepping forward or what's going to happen just be curious just be open See what happens with freshness. Eileen. Um, this morning I found myself on the edge of not knowing, uh, able to go out into the world more freely without masks and to go to stores and not feel so fearful. And as self-checkout, I was frustrated because I couldn't make the machine work right. And I called a young woman over and she told me how to do it. And it was not intuitive. It was not a way that I already knew or understood. And so I was a little bit brusque with her and at checkout, I couldn't understand what was going on. And I waved her over again and she explained and I complained. And as she walked away, I heard her say the word rude. And I called her and I said, what did you say? And she turned around and she said, you're being awfully rude with me. I'm just, I'm just a low, she's a young girl, just a lowly person on the floor. And I said to her, and I thought a moment, I thought, I'm sorry, you're right. And I went ahead and checked out and realized that I was so uncomfortable and not knowing exactly how things worked. And I was so angry with her because things didn't work exactly the way that I would understand already that it would be my world. So I did go over to her later. She was taller than me and I could see that she was nervous in her eyes, but she had had the courage to say the words to me anyway. Mm -hmm. And so I thanked her again and I thanked her for the teaching and walked away realizing I'm still doing the same old thing. You know, that's the normal. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really want the normal too much anymore, but it did still creeps up on me. And then there are these, wonderful bodhisattvas out there these that will offer a lesson and so 
that was what just happened to me. If we're open and if we're willing, which you were. I was grateful. Even, even the teaching, which was painful, you called it back. Embarrassing. So embarrassing. <laughs> That's right. And, and the, the feeling happy or good, sometimes we will choose overturning toward the, the shame or the guilt or the difficulty. Of course, because it's, it's painful and it doesn't feel very good. But to have that willingness to say, the truth is more important than my just feeling comfortable. That's a much larger issue, of course, in our whole culture. But this is the way it's, it's met. Thank you for sharing that really excellent lived example of coming with freshness and of choosing the, you know, nirvana has to do with cessation, cessation of the habits, cessation of reactivity. You chose the nirvana you didn't necessarily trust in the beginning for the, over the samsara that you knew. Thank you. That's right. That's it. Thank you. It's like Sue's coming up. You, you double clicked it there, so you're muted again. There you go. I'm not as fast as I used to be. <laughs> no, me either. <laughs> Well, thank you for what you spoke about today. I think it's uh, it was very important and it certainly reached me. Tomorrow, my state says no more masks, inside, outside, whatever. And I was thinking, well, I know only 51% of the people are fully vaccinated. And then I thought, but then I began to feel pressure. Oh no, you shouldn't wear your mask inside. <laughs> you shouldn't wear your mask inside. And that's not true. And so, you know, I've just been kind of uh, thinking, I don't have to do, I don't have to do this. Well, that's the practice edge, isn't it? You, yeah, you, you can do it, but there's also a you cannot do it. And I've heard people speaking about, well, that would just be ridiculous to go in with a mask on and that kind of thing. And I think, no, I don't believe that. And. Um, well, what's the principle underneath it? It's about masks, but the principle has to do with if you have the courage. Yes. To do what seems authentic and in full integrity. Exactly. Uh, whatever the situation is. Uh, rather than just succumbing to what's normal. Mm -hmm. And do you know what my excuse is when I do it? I just say, well, I'm just a little old lady, so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> that's always a good one, isn't it? <laughs> well, I know, but it's good for me, but that's not good for a lot of people because they're not little old ladies. <laughs> I mean, I just think, we all need to be able to find our, our edge and I don't know, do you get comfortable with it so that you can do it or get courageous enough so that you can do it? Um, well, we do it even when we don't feel very courageous, even when we feel fear. And oh, yeah. And tolerate a little bit of the discomfort. Mm -hmm. 
if it, if you're for example if your sobriety is really really crucial to you so say you're in recovery and you go to a party where everyone's drinking well the pressure must you, be you, do you succumb to pressure just because it's the thing to do no no that's horrible no. you make a choice mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the choosing the samsara that you know over the nirvana that that you don't understand is i've also sat with many people and i said you know are you going to choose what's going to save your life maybe let's say recovery you're going to choose mm -hmm. and people say no i choose to continue to drink or use drugs it's like okay but realize you're making the choice choice yeah yeah so i thank you so it has something to do with authenticity integrity um rather than being swayed too much and i've said this before it's another one of those clever statements that mel weissman said to me one time he said you know our um in, in practice we learn to not take offense even when it's meant oh yes there will be people who will attack you maybe for or give you the side eye or something mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and our job is to bow to them okay yeah i mean they make their choice but i can make my choice mm -hmm. and it's all right and um it's nice to have the encouragement mm -hmm. and just the so that i can focus my attention on that and and not slip into and not slip into that river of oh yeah just cruising on down and that's our practice how do we maintain our attention in a place that's going to be wholesome rather than scatter our attention uh, because we're trying to protect something what well, is what's to protect, trying to protect? Right. yeah yeah so i'm just taking this a little further because you're you're touching a lot of aspects of teaching which are important mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sue. Thank you. I see Mike raised his hand. I did. Yes. Did, and I enjoyed the opening and I enjoyed the shares um, and I found myself sitting here, not having the perfect answer to your prompt, um, but finding myself realizing that it is a choice for me to stay within myself as opposed to embrace the, what feels like it's conflict, conflict or, or a temptation towards embracing the opposite environment now coming out of the pandemic that says you know who's right and who's wrong and should I wear a mask and should I not and those that don't da 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 da, da. and especially I think I'm maybe at the risk of digressing a little bit but I find myself still affected by two things that happened to me yesterday and one was listening to a documentary on Tulsa mm-hmm um, and then having a family member experience something that she became a victim of that, that 
Um, thank God she wasn't hurt, but it was a person acting in totally inappropriate behavior. And my embracing my son and my daughter-in-law to assure them that they weren't at fault, they couldn't have done anything, you know, the temptation to say, I could have done more, or I shouldn't have done this, and um, to be there for them as a container to help them, but to realize that I'm angry. And it scares me to watch my kids go through something like that, and I'm powerless. But I did really respect the, the conversation so far that allows me to dig deep inside, which I tend to do with my family. And my message is it starts right here. And then everything emanates out from there. And I've believed in that and I've lived that. And the pandemic has been an opportunity. Uh, we've had so many blessings through this process. A, a granddaughter who was born in January, um, and this weekend we had our family, about 20 of us together for the first time since February of 2020. And it was amazing. And yet we had a rule that said everybody needs to be vaccinated, and everybody was, and everybody was fine. But there's that temptation to draw lines. Well, let's and, go back uh, to what I could see in your face and hear in your voice. And I'm going to say it a little bit in extreme. Okay. But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a melding of feelings, which my experience, I call terror rage. Mm. Because you're afraid and you're mad. Yeah. And you, sometimes the mad covers the fear. Yes. And sometimes the fear, you know, takes over. Um, and, but, but both of them make you feel shaky. Yeah. 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 And so practice gives us a space. You just took a larger breath there. It begins to move in your body. Yeah. To know how, how can I be in a practice environment in which my anger energy, that powerful hot energy has a way to move and the shaky energy has a way to move around the center of my true nature which is unmovable mm. all that will move around a center that doesn't move and my job isn't to come into a center that doesn't move and exclude that stuff right. but also not get swept away how do i stay with this in, with this integrity because we, that's what practices. That's why we sit. Yeah. To come back over and over and over. When all this stuff is going to swirl around us, you're giving us good, good prime examples. Yeah. And not lose our center, even as we live our messy humanness. <laughs> yeah. With each other. Well, and to know that the higher self prevails because I know I can be there for them. And I have to acknowledge that in doing so, I still have to process inside me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. When, we, when we say in the Bodhisattva vow that we want to free all beings, that includes this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. It felt good to 
share it. And thank you to our group. And, and that's, that's, that's part of what practice is for, of course, is to the, the container, no matter how much we become a larger and open container for life energy, it's magnified when we hold hands and connect hearts. And, yeah. and then it's a much more, um, and as an engineer, you have that metaphor that works for you, you know. <laughs> <sighs> thank you. Mike, I thank you for your, your willingness and your freshness and your courage to step forward. And I hope everything goes great for your family. Sorry they were challenged. Will. We have Maria next. Yeah. There we go. Hello. Hello. Uh, well, I, I've had a bit of an opportunity to practice uh, what I'd call a practice edge, I think. Oh, something's just flashed up on my screen. I'll just get rid of that. Don't know what that was. And um, it's kind of my daughter's supposed to be in theatre now, having right. her operation. But um, the surgeon's daughter contracted COVID. So he's having to isolate for two weeks. So her surgery was cancelled the day before yeah, she was booked in for major surgery so it's been quite a quite a 24 hours really it's kind of been just because the operation's not happening doesn't mean nothing's happening you know it's right. it, it's kind of you know with katie's you know is struggling with it and but i really noticed when i got the news my um entire body just oh something's gone off there oh my screen's doing funny things, sorry. I noticed my entire body just kind of receiving the news. And I noticed my body was just still going forward. And I just knew that I have to sit. I just have to sit right now. And I stepped back and I sat and, and I could see the, that my body was still wanting to prepare, to organize, to go forward, to do and and even a forward momentum isn't oh isn't the hell is it, it sounds like that's what you should do but it's not the way is it it's kind of i realized sort of that I, what i was doing and that i really needed to just sit and and watch that and just come back just come back to to myself and it took a while to for that momentum that momentum kept going and even though i was watching it and i was aware of it it was still going quite well, momentum, some time as you're, as you're saying the momentum is the energy of habit yeah it just propels you forward uh mm. and sometimes that's useful but often it's just it's like a current we're swept along and we don't feel like we're making much of a choice but yeah stop, like you did it's like to step out of the current onto the shore mm and watch the river and f decide what you might want to do, which is once again, fresh and creative mm -hmm. moment, uh, rather than just reactive, because our reactive patterns yeah. are going to be based on past this stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So and then I had to start canceling everything and sorting all the arrangements around the actual trip. Mm -hmm. And my body still wanted to keep going with it, which was interesting. It was like, no, I'll still go to Liverpool. I'll still, I'll, and then I realized that isn't going to be the best way. I've got to do all this again in, in two weeks. And, and then I was like, now there's Katie as well. So I have to sit with Katie and 
support supporting her to get to come back was really helpful as well because it was like you know kind of really kind of just being able to to calm her system down can <laughs> but have the same sort of effect on myself but it was really interesting just to 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 really kind of to notice that and in and in the past i think i would have been caught up and lost loads of energy and become quite poorly quite quickly and because of the practice and coming back i was able to stop myself from doing all that energy stuff that would have got me nowhere it would it would have it I would, it would have just ended in me being out of it for some time and i need that energy and so I, now, I, that you, I, now that you've shared this right now in this moment mm. what has shifted mm. well something shifted just in the coming forward because i got that real big anxiety and i thought do i need that do i need to step forward or do i need to put my system through anything else mm -hmm. and i stepped forward and was able to watch it watch that as well mm -hmm. And by sharing what I'm sharing with you, it kind of makes it more imprinted, more real. Okay, this is what I, the image I was saying is if you're caught in the swirl of the stream, but if you can step on the shore. Yeah. And you're saying, you know, you and I are standing on the shore and you're saying, look at that. I was caught in that rush. Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm, standing, now I'm standing here with you. And That's I can feel myself when I jump back in, like back in the, like Joe Beck would say, you in the box. I just jumped straight in the box when I got the call and I could feel I was in that box and I all the everything was just all the habitual stuff just was was rushing through me and I knew yeah. something needed is, to be done. What is it that's satisfying at this moment? That's satisfying mm -hmm. that I did something different, that I did something different in this moment. I'm not it's that it's that I did something different there's a and there's a freedom to that because I've been locked into something for all my life and mm -hmm. and it and it's kind of with the practice gradually especially over these last couple of years it, it's like there's a freedom in that it's like I don't have to follow that okay and I can trust let's make it immediate eh? you're absolutely clear about that let's make it immediate mm -hmm. I'm going to say it back to you. That you said that you did something different. It's like, Maria, you did something different. And that's amazing. So what is it like to hear it from somebody else? That's different. Yeah, that went in. Good. And that's the part. That's what I meant by satisfaction. Where's the nourishment? Mm. Mm. And mm. when we practice and we can have a reflection, some kind of, because otherwise we can just stay and keep having the narrative on the shore. Yeah. But don't have the sense of, ah, okay. Mm. Yeah. We yeah. just take in that nourishment and sit with that nourishment. And with mm. so many things swirling around you right now, because these things have big consequences, it's easy to stay in that swirl. But you mm. made a different choice. So, let that be nourishing and it feels completely different and this something's changed and i can really feel i can really feel it 
So pay attention to that. Now that you've named it and seen it and had some experience of it, stay attentive to what's changed so that you don't get caught in the narratives that will take you away from the present moment experience. Stay out of that box. <laughs> Chalk up backwards there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Brock has her hand up. We're going to uncurl. There you go. <laughs> she uncurled her exactly. front. <laughs> it's hard to come out from behind um, this, the, behind the screen sometimes, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's enjoyable to see everybody else, but I, I often just find that I want to stay hidden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've been, you've been out in front a lot in your life. That's correct, right? And in a way, that's what I wanted to, I'm just reflecting on the fact that nobody can ever blame me for just kind of going back to normal as is, you know, <laughs> going back to life as it was, <laughs> not an option because I actually dismantled my life as it was. So that helps a lot in some ways, but what I'm finding that it's, it, there's an illusion there that by changing your life, you change your life which oh doesn't boy. really happen. You actually expose your life more. It's less hidden. You that's get a, out. That's important, what you just said. I don't want to go too fast. That is really important, what you just said. Is that when you cross, I mean, not to use, to cross this threshold, <laughs> um, it's, it's not like, okay, now I have a new life. It exposes more. That's really an important side. You can go forward, but I just wanted to make sure we underline that. Yeah. I mean, I do have a new life. I actually have a very new life and I appreciate it all the time. Every day, all day, I appreciate that I have a new life. I'm not at all complacent or sort of, well, whatever. And it is really now, it, the, real, the, real, the real work begins is that in that since I made such a radical choice of dismantling my life, I, I feel also more committed and therefore less, less on the hook as to how I live my life. So it really raised the bar in ways that, it's not that I didn't anticipate, but it feels different in my body being there on the other side of that threshold. And I just wanted to report that. Um, well, and what you just said, if we were to, to take the transcript and look at it and nobody knew that you were talking about the way that you dismantled this part of your life, the threshold, you would sound like someone who, like last week, I was with, with uh, a home lever, someone who said, I'm going to do this radical thing and go into a monastery, devote myself to practice. I don't know how it's going to go, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to follow what I was doing with this sort of uh, impetus, this sort of momentum. And so you, and that exposes my life. That exposes my heart. That exposes my intention. So you're really describing the, the essence of deep practice. And it looks like this in Efrat's life right now. Well, then going back, to, even when you don't go back to normal, that still does not um, sort of solve it. No. Uh, or, or it's always moving. Died. It's always moving. It's always alive. This yeah. is what we begin to realize. It's not like, oh, you go back to normal or you go back to the new. 
that's once again making things solid. Now that doesn't happen. And now we have to stop because we're at the end of our time. <laughs> Thank you, Afrat. And if you'll join me, we'll remind ourselves with the four practice principles of the essence of this shift that we're talking about. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught and the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you, everyone, for coming forward. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Flint. Papamata's programs and facilities are generously supported by all of you. Thank you so much for your support, your contributions, your time. Uh, you can make a, a donation online or a contribution through the website at apamata.org. And if you make a contribution that you want to go specifically to Flint or to any of the teachers, please make sure and make a note about that. And now um, we will have the after inquiry uh, led by Maria. So stick around if you have time for that. Thank you all very much. <laughs>